You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Beth White. I am your host this morning from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And I am really grateful to be with you on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Um, up today, we're going to have a conversation. Um, last month, we talked a little bit about transition, and we're going to talk about uh, with two of the leaders um, that I work with in the Renew My Church process, and specifically in building the new reality. So up first, I have Tim Weiske. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. How are you? Good. So Tim is the director for the Office for um, for Parish Vitality and Mission. I should have that memorized. I've worked there for years. Um, and uh, Tim is joining us. Um, I invited Tim on. He took over that role about a year and a half ago, right? Mm -hmm. Great. So yep. um, up until last fall, our office, Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship, and um, really building the new reality— uh, was separate from DPVM, and we've moved back over to the uh, Parish Vitality and Mission Office. So uh, I asked Tim to come on and, and just have a conversation about um, transition and about his role. So welcome. Um, so before we move into that, I just, uh, Tim, we have something to celebrate. We are finished with what in this archdiocese? The discernment and decision structural reconfiguration process. Excellent. And Tim was um, really instrumental in that, right? Yep. That was starting, what, 2015 in terms of the planning, and then 2017, the pilot groupings, and now two weeks ago, uh, the final announcements of um, parish configuration changes. And so we had how many parishes and now how many? Uh, started with 344, and then when the changes for July 1st happen this year, we'll have 216. Okay. 216. Excellent. So could you share with our listeners just a little bit about why we went through that process and what that's leading us into now? Mm -hmm. So in terms of the structural renewal, uh, we talk often about spiritual and structural renewal. The need to have the right foundation in place for our parishes to then move forward and focus on evangelization equipping us to be missionary disciples, reaching out to others in, in our communities. It was important to have that foundation first. Uh, as we look at some of the symptoms of issues over time, uh, when we had some town halls back in winter 2016, uh, certainly declining mass attendance pre-COVID was a big issue, uh, declining engagement of people, fewer priests, high capital needs, uh, and generally many parishes that were not uh, operationally able to invest in uh, staff to support the pastor with ministry. Uh, certainly, we have some very well-resourced parishes, uh, but when we look across the board at having parishes capable of not just paying the bills, but really being able to focus and invest in vitality from both the financial and people standpoint, that's why we need a structural renewal. 
uh, it's hard to evangelize if 100% of the attention is on necessary maintenance. So that was the goal is to move away from 100% of attention in many places to of necessary maintenance to hopefully having a stronger foundation to focus more of that time, more of the time, talent, and treasure that we have in our parishes on outward mission, uh, in addition to the necessary maintenance that is required in a parish. So I do want to take a moment and acknowledge how hard that has been for mm-hmm. parishes, how painful it has been for people to, even parishes that we have um, communities that um, had no structural change whatsoever, and then we have communities that um, sort of unified together and maybe there's one main parish that persists, even their communities have changed, right? So there's a, a sense of a lot of upheaval and change. Um, how, how do we, how have we been able to sort of maybe um, mitigate a little bit of that and really acknowledge that pain? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're blessed that we had a team throughout the last six, seven years, uh, focused on pastoral accompaniment. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, at this state, time, it's uh, Kathy Walls. She was the leader uh, for the last three years. It started with Sister Kathy Brazda, who's a sister of St. Jo- uh, Congregation of St. Joseph. She started it, and then when she was elected to her congregation leadership, uh, Kathy Walls stepped in. Uh, so for a good couple of years, we had a team of three. Uh, and then uh, as a couple members, I had great opportunities elsewhere. Now Kathy is the team. And what she does is offer a lot of training to persons in the pews called pastoral accompaniment skills training to help listen to each other, Mm. uh, to be attentive to the pain and emotions and feelings that are in place. Certainly, uh, those of us from Archdiocesan staff, in particular Kathy, uh, many of the vicariate-based staff, uh, the the parish vitality coordinators, they do that as well. So we do that from the arch, spending time listening. Uh, But a lot of what Kathy has done is equip people in the pews to listen to each other and to be there in that that time of needing someone to walk with them through the emotion. Uh, Kathy can only be so many places at one time, so she's done a great job of um, building out a small team of facilitators to help with those trainings. And then when uh, when necessary, hosting listening sessions with uh, either led by her or one of our team members, and when um, makes sense for the bishop to be present, the regional bishop to be present as well. So a lot of dioceses, what they do is the um, bishop or the cardinal will just sort of make a decision about which parishes will uh, close, new names. Um, I don't know. There's no other better way to say it than they sort of rip off the Band-Aid and they just get it done overnight. Um, why did we, just to remind our listeners, why did we choose this process instead where we go and we put people in uh, parishes and groupings and we put them through a process mm-hmm. of really reflection. Uh, why did we um, choose this process? Mm-hmm. As we were building out the plan of how, how do we approach this process, we saw some of the pitfalls in other places, whether it was too little consultation, whether it was not enough resources to help with the implementation. A couple of the big factors we wanted to make sure were in place is bottoms up input but also guided by some guidelines. Mm -hmm. So there's consistency across the archdiocese. Uh, That was a really big factor in the beginning that both priests and lay people said is that there's consistency across the archdiocese. So that was was one. Uh, From a perspective of organizationally making the best decisions possible, that's not gonna happen just from central planning. Yeah. It never does. 
uh, so the bottoms up input really uh, from each grouping helped give flavor to here's the realities to know for the advisory groups and then Cardinal mm -hmm. to make the eventual uh, decisions. So that's really important because mm -hmm. the data, the quantitative data can only tell so much. The local lived experience is really important to understand the dynamics of a particular area. Uh, but we also were very clear at the beginning that only one person has the authority and responsibility to make a decision, and that's the ordinary, so Cardinal Supich. Uh, and we wanted to bring him the best information possible to make decisions. And there are factors that affect the whole diocese, the priest numbers, uh, declining participation, the declining number of lay ministers. Yeah. So that's also where it's not just the local recommendation or the local input was also guided by uh, consistent uh, guidelines from across uh, applied to the whole archdiocese. Mm -hmm. So that's where it was really important to us to have both the local bottoms up input, but also the, the lack of better word, top down guidance. Because mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, generally human nature will be well, have as little change as possible. And then we just keep ticking along, ticking along until there's an inevitable decision based on uh, that might need to be made in five years, seven years, 10 years based on there's just no other choice versus trying to proactively set up our foundation for focusing on renewal. And one of the, the unique things about this process, uh, someone who's been a part of it um, for almost seven years, is that we always were had an eye on the spiritual. So the, mm -hmm. as you said in the beginning, that there was the structural renewal, but it was always hand in hand with an understanding that it was being done mm -hmm. for the spiritual renewal. And so mm -hmm. while parishes, we had a, um, a slow sort of onboarding of parishes, right? So we would have a mm -hmm. few groupings of more, more, more. And then we, my office, then we would start walking with those who come through that process to the other side and mm -hmm. we start walking with them. So now you are sort of in charge of uh, this new spiritual side. You're, you're guiding us. You're He's my new boss. Um, and so uh, tell us a little bit about um, what excites you about sort of you've seen the very beginning before there was even conversations about we need to do this into mm -hmm. how do we make that happen? And now you're moving over into the spiritual mm -hmm. um, side. So what is that like for you? Well, it's nice to see uh, it, this isn't just about organizational decisions. This is about connecting people to the person of Jesus Christ, so it transforms their lives. Uh, hopefully, we have a lot of disciples in the missionary disciples that are then inspired to take that further. Disciples become missionary disciples, and maybe people who are present but not really connected to their faith as disciples to take that next step in their journey. Mm -hmm. Also, then we can reach out to those who are completely disconnected and uh, don't have that foundation of faith that that we want for people. So it's nice to see our, how we are now connecting that. What we said from the beginning, this isn't just about organizational restructuring. This is about moving us forward to be able to uh, focus on spiritual renewal. It's nice to actually see that in practice. And we know in many places that have reconfigured, it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. It's reality. It's a human reality that we're changing the structure where people have worshiped, prayed, uh, done ministry. It takes time. So we, we understand that, that for parishes that had a reconfiguration, it's going to take time before they're fully ready to uh, dive deeply into the spiritual renewal work, the work that Beth, your team in particular leads of uh, how do we build an evangelization team. But the early fruits of those who have begun engaging, it's just exciting to see 
uh, people who are have been in leadership or maybe people who haven't been in leadership mm-hmm. being empowered to really see how, with the support of the pastor, but how do we as lay, lay people take our individual mission to bring the gospel to others to help connect people into an entry point into that faith journey, that discipleship journey. So it is exciting to see because a lot of it is we want metrics, yes, but uh, the exciting piece is individual stories that really bring to life. This is why we do what we do as church, to bring people into relationship with Jesus. And that, the whole um, having in mind, because this is a long game, right? So when we seven years ago, eight mm-hmm. years ago, when the whole conversation started happening, this was sort of, I mean, it's been lived out. We didn't exactly know what spiritual renewal was going to look like any more than we sort of knew mm-hmm. what it was. It's it, funny. Town halls in 2016 where we had people text in, what do you think we need to do? And it was evangelization, 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 youth ministry in there too. So there was a clear recognition of what we, uh, uh, the broad scope but as your team, who's now led, how do we make that come to life? Right. Because that's been the that's been the challenge, and also helping people see evangelization is part of our our mission. So it's great to see that seven years ago we named it, or people named it, and then it's your team with uh, many others in, in the department who are helping bring that to life. Yeah, the word evangelization was not um, a well thought of word when I first arrived. To be quite honest, most. I would do. I tell the story that I'd ask groups of people, "How many of you think that evangelization is a Protestant?" And oh my gosh, three quarters of the room's hands would go up. And then a few years ago, I stopped asking the question because I would ask the question and no hands went up. Right. So it was this sense of wow, we've sort of moved past that. Plus, when I got more into this, I came to realize evangelization itself is a Catholic term. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our Protestant mm-hmm. brothers and sisters are like, what does that mean? Um, and so it's kind of funny. So we're going to take a break here and we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Tim Weiske from the Department of Parish Vitality and Mission. Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this, and our mentorship programs provide a free opportunity for young adults to spend time with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youth aged 9 through 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers service friends who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer, and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports every relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that can help young adults build confidence and enjoy fun activities with their peers, too. To learn more, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7970 in Cook County and 847 787- 782-4224 in Lake County. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today.
Make a difference every day by working in Archdiocese of Chicago schools, parishes, and ministries. Join us at our career fair on Saturday, February 25th in downtown Chicago. We are hiring full and part-time positions for roles from teaching to finance, administration to pastoral care throughout Cook and Lake Counties. If you have recently graduated or are exploring a job change, serve your community and build your career with the Arch. Find more information at archchicago.org. For more than 20 years, Catholic Charities Adult Protective Services has been advocating for seniors who are the victims of abuse, neglect, confinement, or financial exploitation. With our partners at local, city, and state agencies, our trained case managers follow through on every concern that is brought to our attention in a cooperative way to ensure that our seniors are safe and protected. According to the Illinois Department on Aging, last year nearly 21,000 cases of elder abuse were reported in Illinois. Of these, only 5% were reported by seniors themselves. So raising awareness is an important part of this issue. If you are concerned about a senior you know, call 800-252-8966. That's 800-252-8966. With your help, we can stop elder abuse and look out for the seniors in our lives. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know Welcome back to On the Way. I am Beth White, your host this morning for On the Way uh, from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. So I am speaking right now with Tim Weiske, and we'll continue our conversation. So Tim is the Director of Parish Vitality and Mission here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. So before the break, we were talking a lot about how uh, Renew My Church and how we've transitioned now pretty fully this year into mm-hmm. building the new reality and really moving into the spiritual renewal. Um, while we have several parishes that are early in the process, we have several more that are just getting started or won't enter into the formal part of spiritual renewal for mm-hmm. probably a year or so just because they have healing mm-hmm. to do and things like that. Mm-hmm. So... Tim, as you consider now that you've sort of closed the door on, um, or as Father Jason would say, close the book on um, on uh, decisions and discernment, um, what are your hopes for this next phase of renewal? What do you, what are your dreams for it? What 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 do you what gets you up like excited about what's going to happen next? Uh, so if I put my lay parishioner hat on, not. Uh, yeah. department organizational hat on I think just seeing more and more people first get the aha moment of this isn't it's about more than just my faith my faith is called to go and share it with others so the first aha moment the second would be well how do we so now get into what do we do how do we equip people to do that mm-hmm. both from the parish systematic process uh, which we have a strong conviction there's a need for what we call charismatic soft entry points, but also as just individuals, how do we equip them to have that conversation with the neighbor, listen, ask good questions, help draw someone into that desire to explore faith. Uh, so it's not necessarily about just saying, here's the apologetics of our faith, it's important, 
but starting with listening and asking mm -hmm. good questions because it's about inspiring them to want to explore so seeing those aha moments when that will happen for people to me that's what that's what's exciting because it's individual by individual we work a lot on parish system level yeah, work but it comes to life through individuals mm -hmm. on a personal level because this is the um this isn't a show about evangelization, um, not to get too personal, but um, you are a father of three, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for you, what are, is it partly what, what, what drives you to want to do this kind of work? You don't have a theology degree. You actually have a background in, in um, business, and mm -hmm. you, but you've spent the disproportionate amount of your career now working here, right? And so mm -hmm. what is it that... Uh, gives you life in this kind of work. Mm -hmm. it, that's where we have to learn to tell our story, and I'm just the same. Because uh, I can't speak to one moment that is like that. That was an aha moment. There's a lot of different times where it's okay. That, that that's helped lead me here. Uh, part of it was my family background growing up. It's sort of through osmosis. My brother was called to be a diocesan priest, and. Uh, uh, Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. So he's up in Hibbing, Minnesota now. Uh, my dad was ordained a permanent deacon in 2004. Mm. Uh, so there's something of just seeing different vocational ministries in my family. So it led me to be exploring when I was moving out. My first step in career in the management consulting was go check something out for a couple of years. And now I'm here 10 years later. But it was literally someone asking me, well, what do you want to do? It's, thought about something in nonprofit or you know, something with the church would be cool. Mm. And now we're 10 years later. Uh, and just because there was that sense of call, but in a different way. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's just, it's, it's sort of been innate and really shaped by, by my family growing up. And then moving forward, I think just uh, seeing how do we make our parishes places that uh, are inviting, welcoming, exciting um, for my kids to be at in, as they get older uh, and then when they get to be more mature in their faith that uh, there will be others in the pews that can journey with them yeah. on it so it's not just us as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles uh, but also the parish family community that we're journeying together to go deeper in our our faith lives so i think that's what i would hope to see as we move forward mm -hmm. but that type of journey also is just becomes much more common. Mm. So you uh, recently, Tim is a great learner, so he participated in our evangelization team training. I heard from um, uh, uh, your small group facilitator that you were very engaged, which is good to hear. Um, <laughs> what was it like for you? I, I, it's just a random question, but you were in there with people who are on an evangelization team that are getting mm -hmm. ready to activate. They were just chosen maybe even not even knowing what this role is and uh they were just asked to participate in this four-week training process and what was that like for you from your perspective in your role mm -hmm. well it's helpful to see how does this work on the ground mm -hmm. how are the individuals who are being asked empowered by their pastor by their evangelization lead getting formed for this ministry because it's frankly, very different than most of what we've done in the past. We know that you know, some parishes here and there, there's been evangelizational work in the way that we think about it uh, at the office. But by and large, 
not right because we are in this new missionary age that we talk about uh so to to actually process it to get the how will this work on the ground is really important to me as at the organizational level we evaluate what do we need to do to best support this ministry i find that hard to do without knowing how the people on the ground are receiving it processing it the questions they're asking and also most of the people in the small group i was at are um, at a parish that i often attend with my family so just sort of making the connections of how will this play out at a place that you know, i actually see it uh what was helpful as well and what was what were the what were the folks like in your um, small group? What was that like? Because I always get inspired by just mm-hmm. the average parishioner who says yes to something they don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. I think hopeful. I think um, oh, what's the right word here? Um, humble in the sense of recognizing this is something new that will be challenging. That we need to be open to. Uh, guidance given from what your team is doing in particular, from what the pastors are suggesting and what they're receiving. Uh, So hopeful, humble, and um, yeah, I think inspiring too. There's people who want to do this. They they want to see people's lives touched that uh, will be transformed when they encounter Christ either for the first time or in a new way. And part of it for us is also underscoring the remembering, right? That um, mm-hmm. we we do believe that uh, some folks have never encountered Jesus fully. That they've they that they perhaps have gone to mass for years, and and um, perhaps they haven't had that not a not a moment, but they haven't really come to see Jesus as this. Um, live person who they can dialogue with and be in relationship with, right? But there's many who have, and what and, mm-hmm. and providing space for folks to remember that is mm-hmm. um, kind of a, I don't know. That's that's what I love is that obviously the first encounters, but also helping people name those times in their right. lives, right? Right. Yeah, I, I think we hear that a lot in, in stories that um, that come up as. Oh, now I understand what how God was working in my life. Mm-hmm. It's the unpacking or the recognition, uh, looking back, and then also moving forward, um, and have those aha moments for people. Because we have this, um, people say, "Oh, what a coincidence!" And we say, "People of faith, we don't believe in coincidence. God is at work in mm-hmm. people's life." Mm-hmm. So we have a couple minutes left, and we're we're about ready to enter um, Lent next week. Can you believe it? kind of crazy uh, mm-hmm. next week will be ash wednesday um so as you as you reflect uh do you have any suggestions for our listeners as we move fully into this spiritual renewal here in the diocese um what is there anything that you ask for prayers for or just you suggest that they get involved with is there anything from your perspective that you think could be helpful i think praying for a spirit of renewal in all of us in our parishes, but the spirit of renewal touches all of us would be important. It's always important to pray. And I think just uh, keep eyes and ears open for anything that would help us as uh, I imagine those who are listening are probably pretty engaged. What will help me be more comfortable sharing my faith in an appropriate way, listening to others, because that's I, I do have a belief that that's the, often the first step. Yeah. Asking good questions. Uh, So how do I equip myself 
to first listen, to ask good questions, and to be prepared to to share my reason for hope. Mm -hmm. uh, I think all three of those uh, can be good reflections during the Lenten season uh, that we can then put into action in our own lives as well. I love that. My reason for hope. Our world is really struggling right now in so many ways. And as people of faith, we have we actually literally have really great news, <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, but we're sometimes scared to share it. And so having that ability to the humility that you just talked about and the vulnerability, mm -hmm. because, you know, people are scared they're going to get rejected or right. um, all of those kinds of things. So thank you so much for sharing with us this morning, sharing your story um, and um, just look forward to the months and years ahead of wherever this takes us. So thank you so much, Tim. Thanks, Beth. Thanks. Good to be with you. Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program has assisted thousands of single parents who are working to become more self-sufficient through education and employment opportunities. Our experienced case managers accompany participants for up to five years on their journey to identify, address, and break down barriers to improving their quality of life and achieving meaningful goals for themselves and for their families. Professional, compassionate assistance is offered in a safe and trusting environment as participants develop the skills needed to become financially stable and able to support themselves. Every achievement starts with the decision to try. To learn more about Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program, call 847-782-4233 or visit catholiccharities.net. say, how can you spend your day with three-year-olds? Seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow, this is a very rewarding job. Even though at the end of the day, we're not the highest paid people on earth. And when I have a parent contact me and say, my child loves school, that to me, I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning. Because really you are changing lives, you are molding lives. Shape the next generation of leaders, teach, Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. 
Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to On The Way. I am Beth White, your host this morning. And uh, we just finished our conversation with Tim Weiske from the Department of Parish Vitality and Mission. And up next, uh, we, I invite my second guest, Katie Bach, who is the Director of Building the New Reality, BNR Implementation. Welcome, Katie. Hi, Beth. Katie has that awesome background from um, from during uh, her last parental leave. She put up nice, beautiful wallpaper in her office. <laughs> I'm very jealous. I have these awesome walls behind me. Um, so, Katie, so thank you for coming. So we, uh, we were just having a conversation with Tim Weiske, and uh, Tim is also Katie's boss. He's also my boss, too. So Katie and I work in parallel in a lot of ways. Um, I work on for the evangelization, getting the ministry side and Katie really has been overseeing sort of the implementation in the the vicariate level really working with the parish vitality um, uh, ministers which coordinators uh, vi- parish vitality coordinators who are ministers and uh, uh, lifelong formation coordinators so Katie um, would you just share with us a little bit about the role your role and um, how that's lived out in terms of supporting the teams in the vicariates. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Beth. Um, I think the best way to think about my role is I, and and I mean this sincerely, I have the privilege of overseeing all the implementation of building the new reality. So this, um, the spiritual renewal of our um, parishes and I get the, the, the privilege of leading the team who are walking with the pastors um, and their communities as they live into um, the new reality, which is really about changing the culture, bringing people into relationship with Christ, um, and expanding and growing our body of Christ. Um, so it is very exciting work. Um, as soon as pastors generally are done with decisions and discernment, um, our team will will formally begin working with them and really drive them and walk with them through the process of understanding how we set vision, understanding how we live into a new reality that each of us is called to do. Um, And then that's happening all across the city in all different communities, all types of parishes um, with my team uh, of the parish vitality coordinators. So it's super exciting work. Um, Never ever the same day that we have uh, as everything is constantly moving and evolving and growing and changing as, as we all journey through Renerla together. So one of the, um, after uh, decisions of discernment, the parishes that have no structural change pretty rapidly start working with um, their parish vitality coordinator. Um, And then those parishes that have had some sort of unification, they usually take six months to a year before they start really working with us. They have uh, what we call operations transition, to just to remind our listeners where I mean, if they're unifying, they have to figure out a new name and they have to have new tax ID numbers and they need to do a new 
bulletin and and all those kinds of things that you don't really think about. So the Archdiocese sends in a team to help them build out their budget, to really figure out their personnel, their buildings, and and how are, how are their buildings going to get taken care of and all of that. So that's a lot of work. So we're like, just do that. Mm-hmm. Plus, we ask them during that time to really work on how do you bring your community together? How are you bringing healing? Mm-hmm. So Tim mentioned um, the accompaniment team, which is really Kathy Walls now. Uh, really that sense of listening, building in space where people are getting to know each other as they build this new community. So the parish vitality mm-hmm. coordinator, when he or she sort of starts to engage, they, we do what's called tilling the soil. Uh, could you explain to our listeners what is entailed in tilling the soil whenever that takes place? That's sort of the entry point into building yeah. the reality. Yeah, I think, and it's a really important, you know, place to start, right? If mm-hmm. we think about the parable of the sower, or any garden or any initiative that any of us are growing, there there is a, a season of preparation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so during that phase, the parish vitality coordinator really works closely with the pastor and sometimes with key leaders around him or a trusted circle of parishioners um, to, to get ready, right? The work that we do in renewal um, is both mind and heart. And both of those really have to work together. And so we might expose them to just understanding what the vision is in, in their own words, in our words, um, in the Cardinal's words, in the Pope's words, right? Um, and then how that's going to be lived out. And, and also too, right, we really hope to ignite them. Um, many of the pastors and their teams that we work with have a really, really strong conviction about renewal, the need for renewal mm-hmm. and the belief that renewal is possible. Um, and we hope to continue to ignite that um, so that they're they're in a state of preparedness for for the heavy work of renewal, um, which which comes with time. Um, and so we might do things like like I mentioned, like a little bit of vision sharing. We might engage in a book club. Um, one of the um, offerings that we have is called Kickstart, and it's a series of videos and conversations for pastors to, to again just really get them thinking differently about what this vision will look like, what their lived reality um, can and should and will be one day as, as we all bring um, more and more people into relationship with So us. what are the topics, not to put you on the spot here, but I am, uh, what are some of the key sure. topics in that kickstart? What are the things that pastors are wrestling with? Because I think people, um, I think what's really interesting for our work is that most of our pastors were formed in a way that prepared them to serve the people that showed up in their parish. Mm-hmm. Um, they had plenty of people coming through the doors. There was plenty of things to do. There were plenty of priests. Um, and but now our we don't. Many of our people are out there. And mm-hmm. um, what are some of the topics that the pastor is sort of having to wrestle with in this new reality? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think the first one definitely is vision, right? I don't think the first one is. The first one is vision, um, right? So where are we going? Right. Yeah. Where are we going? Setting that kind of North Star, Mm -hmm. setting that that place of where we're going, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Through all of our work. Um, So we start there, right? What does that mean? How is it different than just a to-do list? How Mm -hmm. is it really a a feeling in a state of being and, and you know, a, a culture um, mm-hmm. for which we want our parishes to be. Um, another one is building a leadership team, right? Um, this sometimes is is a new idea that, you know, it takes all of us, right? And we are all called and, to do and this that's, work. And that's distinct from 
a parish council, and that's distinct usually mm-hmm. from a parish staff, right? So the leadership yeah. team. Could you just explain a little bit to our listeners what we mean by a leadership team? Yeah. So these these individuals, you know, will hold that vision for the parish, right? And they are the ones that that really provide that anchor to always call us back to are are the decisions that we're making, the steps that we're taking, the things that we're trying or the things that we're sunsetting, are they aligned to where we are going Mm -hmm. as as a community? So um, they're a trusted group. Um, Sometimes they've been around for a long time. Sometimes they haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they're staff, sometimes they're not. It's a mix, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and even sometimes like our PVCs, our, our parish vitality coordinators are, are really deeply embedded in those teams. Um, because this is the, this is kind of the captain of the, the renewal, um, ship, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, this, this team and, and really helping what this does is calls us all to, and, and those on the team to share that leadership. Right. And have right. trusted people around you who are all doing this work and all rowing in the same direction. So part of it is um, I love the image of rowing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, is that many of our pastors have been sort of formed to be, um, I mean, for no other term, like sort of the benevolent, very, I'm going to stress benevolent, but dictator. They're the ones that have to have all the answers, make all the decisions, yeah. uh, everything from the boiler to how to baptize, like everything in between um they are sort of in charge well that's just not um sort of doable in 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 our modern world and so this team of folks are complementary to the pastor right and so at the end of the day the buck stops always with the pastor we know that canon law but what we're seeing is the fruit of this is that the pastor is being able to share leadership like you said Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. be able to be hey katie could you take care of the boiler Hey, mm. Paul, could you help me? Whatever. So that there's this. And also then they can pri- they can have a conversation with trusted people to be able to make decisions in a healthy way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really important point is, you know, and, and many of them start with a, a tool like a pest, right, where they really lean into what their strengths are, mm-hmm. um, because that. Uh, exercise, even just acknowledging, hey, like I'm a really good strategist. But Beth, like you're the expert in evangelization, right? And and so we need each other, right? Um, right. In a really complete way, right? Um, right. Okay. So what's another topic? Yeah. So we have prioritization of evangelization, which thank you certainly is <laughs> is your bread and butter. Yeah. Um. And and that one, you know, is is in all that we do and say, right? Prioritizing um the work of evangelization. Um, and, and really making our, our places one that represents that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, our parish is a place that represents that culture and feels different and unique and, and really. And the need for um, that. Like this topic is to say we've got to think about it differently. we got to think about how we're creating not only within our parish a place of welcoming and being able to accompany mm-hmm. people from the, from trust all the way through their discipleship to missionary discipleship, but also how are we forming people, as Tim talked about earlier, to be able to share their faith, to be able to just tell their story, to be able to listen. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's sort of a, a making that a priority in a parish, getting back to our, the basics of Jesus calling us to go make disciples. Yeah. And um, what's what's next on the list? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and and I think that one that one is a shift, right? And so it's Big really shift. really important that we spend all this time working through that topic, mm-hmm. um, because the the inclination is to just well add another thing or try something else or yeah. who's got the next great idea, right? And and our approach really is um, everything you just listed, right? Listening, meeting people where they are, walking with them. Um, those pieces are are harder sometimes in some capacity um but they're also stickier and they are they're changing um the culture that that we want um to move towards um the other the next two kind of go together so structure and hybrid of church Mm -hmm. right this is kind of how we're thinking about you know how we sit um in, in terms of our current churches not only like physically but you know kind of similar to the leadership team right that's a new um, piece of the puzzle and we really have to push our thinking into this looks different like this is a different missionary moment that we find ourselves yep. in um, and it's okay to wrestle with things like structure and hybrid but then also the fifth one is meetings and healthy conflict mm-hmm. right um, you talked a little bit about how you know the buck stops with the pastor it does right but but also to when when you have that trusted body of individuals working around you um, there's a lot of power in that and, and a really uh, incredible fruits that we see. Well, they're not going to um, say yes, Father. They're going to say, maybe we could think about it this way, Father. Or have you ever yeah. thought about this, Father? Or I really don't agree with you, Father. Like, sure. And that's healthy conflict, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I kept yeah. saying Father there. It's very respectful. But it's, sure. um, it's a sense of really giving people the space to bring their yeah. gifts like you yep. said, the apest, uh, and that is apostle, priest, evangelizer, shepherd, shepherd, teacher, and teacher. And it's based yep. on I forget which scripture. Do you remember which scripture? So you can Google it. A P E S T to our listeners. You can take a look. It's a really wonderful free exercise just to think about mm-hmm. your leadership style. So we're going to take a break, um, sure. and we will come back and continue our conversation with Katie Bach about. Um, Building the new reality here in the Archdiocese. Community is core to Catholic Charities founding mission. For more than 100 years, we have met people and families where they are, serving anyone in need, regardless of their faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. As our world absorbs the economic, political, and social aftershocks of the pandemic, 50% or more of the 6 million people living in Cook and Lake counties have little or no savings. They are a paycheck away from zero. We are deeply grateful to everyone in the Catholic Charities community who partners with us to alleviate the suffering of the people we serve and offer them a better path forward. We are witnessing a message of mercy and hope to a world very much in need. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, 
pandemic capacity limits have been lifted and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again and listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program has assisted thousands of single parents who are working to become more self-sufficient through education and employment opportunities. Our experienced case managers accompany participants for up to five years on their journey to identify, address, and break down barriers to improving their quality of life and achieving meaningful goals for themselves and for their families. Professional, compassionate assistance is offered in a safe and trusting environment as participants develop the skills needed to become financially stable and able to support themselves. Every achievement starts with its decision to try. To learn more about Catholic Charities Family Self-Sufficiency Program, call 847-782-4233 or visit catholiccharities.net. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know I'm only alive Because I'm a man that calls Jesus Christ I'm a dead man walking Come back Welcome back to On The Way. I'm Beth White, your host from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. And I'm, we're continuing our conversation with Katie Bach, who is the director of BNR, Building the New Reality, implementation here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. So... Katie, um, first half hour we were talking to Tim Weiske, and Tim has a business background. Um, I pointed that out, and so do you. So you come to us sort of from a teaching as well as a business background. Um, and so I ask you, what drew you to this kind of work, working for the church? So the question, um, to me, this is, is the best kind of work that I can do with my business background. So I started my career as a teacher. I was working in some of the poorest neighborhoods in New York City and Chicago, um, and I loved it. And I was so drawn to to the work that we were doing. Um, but I wanted to finish my business uh, school and studies and, and get my master's. Um, and then I was really looking for something after I did a little bit of work in corporate America. I was really looking for something that blended the high impact work that I was doing in the classroom with the the work that I was doing in corporate America and using my my MBA that I um, had earned. And, and so I, I found um, the Archdiocese and, and it's really, really incredible because a little bit of what we were talking about before with the leadership team is what I'm finding is we each bring different gifts and skills and experiences to this work and, and the renewal of, of the Catholic Church of Chicago is for all of us. Um, and so, you know, the, the skills that I bring are, are different, but complementary to the, the skills of everybody else on, on the team. And, um, so it's an exciting place to get up and get going every morning and really pour my heart uh, and, and my skills. I like to think some days <laughs> into the work. So when you think about renewal here in the archdiocese, what is, um, for you, obviously this is, a um, a radio show of the office for evangelization. So I try to get a little personal, 
Uh, <laughs> so what is it for you that excites you, not just professionally, but personally? Um, not to share overshare, but Katie has had a has a, had a you know a spiritual journey during this time. This has been a lot of growth. And what has what have you come to learn? And what are some of your hopes for the people here in this diocese? Yeah, yeah, it's been a really special. So I just celebrated four years in uh, January, which is incredible how fast time flies. And and quite frankly, I, I had and she made two work. human beings during that time. So go ahead, <laughs> as she says. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when I started um, considering coming to work for the Arch, I, I was very unfamiliar with even like the Archdiocesan central offices, if you will. Right. I was I had gone to Catholic school. I'm 100 percent Catholic educated through my master's. And but it never had dawned on me like, oh, there there must be a central team like helping all these trains continue to move, as I like to say. Um, and so coming in my first few months was really, really clear how, how much everybody on our team is on a mission, right? And I, I sensed that from the first lunch that I had um, with some dear friends and colleagues of ours now and, and all the way through. And I think that continues to um, it, it fill my cup, right? As I, as I work and very closely with you, Beth, to, to drive this, this humongous project that we're taking on. Um, and I think too, right, like you said, like, yeah, in, in the past four years, I've, I've created two humans and, and showing them and leading them through faith has, has been really, really transformative for me. Um, you know, I'm not sure if, if eight, nine, 10 years ago, before I was even married, right, that, that faith and the relationship with Christ would be one of our top things. And that might've looked like going to church, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and we'll get the sacraments and you'll probably go to Catholic school. Right. But, but now my journey has been so much deeper and, and I just hope to give a little bit of that to them um, and really, really just help them form their own relationship from a really young age. So it's not just, yeah, I'm hundred percent college educated or Catholic educated, right. It's, it's, I actually know Jesus and I know that he loves me and I know that um he is there for me. And, and so that's what I hope. And that's you what want I your keep, kids to have that. You know, yeah. Inspired yeah. By him. yeah. So uh, Katie is also um, a marathon runner. She loves to, <laughs> she loves to get out there and run unlike me. Um, and so I love to use that analogy and Katie gets all jazzed um, <laughs> because this is not renewal. What we're trying to do is not a quick, it's not a sprint. It's, mm. it's not some, hurdles you jump over and you're done right it's it's a it's a long haul so quite honestly your personal story of being a marathoner how does that prepare you to understand this kind of work yeah well thank you for the analogy because I love it um <laughs> and and it really does speak to um our work right our work is you know, we just talked a little bit about that tilling the soil phase, right? That's when I'm getting ready to start training, right? And and then, right, if you think about a marathon distance, get your muscles ready, through, right? Yeah, right. You're stretching, you're hydrating, yeah. you're you're doing all those things over and over and over again because we've set that north star of like I want that finish line, just like we've, yep. we've set our vision for renewal. Um, and so what I think also is worth noting, right, in a marathon is, is it certainly it's a day in and day out grind, right? 
There's not a day that goes by where we're not stretching or hydrating or, or running. You have or, bad or, runs and you're exhausted sure. and then you have good ones. And you're like, woo. And the next day it's really bad yeah. again, right? <laughs> yeah. It's all of that, right? Yeah. Um, it's joy filled. It's painful. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's annoying, right? It's frustrating. It's, it's all of those but things. It's persistence. Um, but it's, yeah. it's persistent, right? It's that daily, daily commitment to what we're doing despite all of those, mm-hmm. um, or in spite of all of those, um, things that we will inevitably face. Right? right. And then I think the other thing that is really, really empowering when I'm leader or when I'm marathon training, but also really speaks to our work of renewal is there are so many different people on different places in the journey. Yeah. Right. And, and it speaks to a lot of the work that you do with evangelization too, but Right. There are some people that have never marathoned before that I can turn around and say, hey, just try this. Or have you considered this? Mm-hmm. Or how are you doing? Right. And just right. walking with them. And then there's people way ahead of me who are running an hour faster than I am. Right. Who who I look to and say, hey, like we're all in this together. And, and can yeah. you help me with what your experience right. has been? And can you walk with me and listen to me? And um, so it's a really, really important piece, that power of community. Yeah. Um, all driving towards the same thing. And when we're, we don't have much time left, but when we talk about building the new reality, I, I use Katie's analogy. And I actually think it's a great one is that we have parishes that have gone through decisions and discernment. And then we ask them to, we're use the parable of the soil or tilling the soil. We're using different analogies to try to like Jesus did to parables, right? Um, and we say that many parishes are sort of haven't even thought about getting in the race. They have a lot to do. Some are prepping and they're eating, they're doing their carb loading. Some mm-hmm. are at the starting gate and some have been at this for a couple miles and some are like seven miles in maybe. But we are far from a diocese where we have marathon completers at this point. Like yeah. it is it is a long haul, and that's hard sometimes because we want things to be um, quick and done. So with our last minute, what is your advice for our listeners about sort of how do you get through recognizing that you might not have your parish change overnight, but how mm-hmm. what is your advice for them? Yeah, I think I was actually listening to a really powerful podcast this morning about um, it's like a not yet, but you celebrate the process, Mm. right? So um, it's okay to be in the not yet, but we live in a space where what's my feedback right now? What's my grade? How am I doing? How am I progressing? Right? We live in this constant loop of like... Yeah. Right. And, and, and there, there is a, a certain wheel of you're doing great. You're not doing great. Right. There's participation ribbons as we, as we say it. Um, but that not yet and celebrating the process and the strategy and the effort, I think is really, really important as, as we continue in this work. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for your time. And, um, just really thank you so much for all you do. And so, um, to our listeners, just pray and uh, figure out how you can participate in building the new reality in your local parish. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.